As a program manager and lecturer at Stanford University here in Bali, Eric Tahyanta really believes in the importance of self-management. As an educator, he has seen firsthand that everybody is an expert in something, and it's up to us to figure out how to extract that from ourselves through the discipline of self. Well, let's cue the intro and jump straight in to the conversation. So the big question is this. How is it possible that shy and socially awkward individuals like us can have the confidence to approach a stranger and strike a meaningful conversation? To have the ability to network and connect with yourself so that you can network and connect with others. To not only survive but thrive in this noisy world and be the connector you're meant to be. And at the same time, be the truest, most authentic version of yourself. That's the question and this podcast will give you the answer. My name is Ping Hendra and welcome to Network and Connect Podcast. Right. Yeah, let me just clarify a bit. So, it's module coordinator slash module manager and then also lecturer from Universitas Triatma Mulia in cooperation with Standen. So, basically, Universitas Triatma Mulia is a local campus based in Bali and then it's a joint venture with a campus based in Netherlands. The name is Standard University. So this the campus been here since 2010. So I'm so proud to become one of the team. Uh, mm-hmm. By the end of this year, it's gonna be two years. Wow, perfect. What what are you currently doing in in terms of lecturer? So what are you working on? So my program is so we have uh, several programs, uh, and the programs I'm responsible for is. Entrepreneurship in Action, based in Bali. So the goal is we want to introduce our students who are based in Netherlands about Bali, first of all. And then the goal is to inspire them to have their own business here in Bali. So if you can imagine with their European point of view, some of them never been to Asia, let alone Bali. And then, well, they uh, here in Bali for about 10 weeks, Uh, it's like immersion programs. So during uh, during 10 weeks, they need to understand the culture, the people. And then, yeah, at the end of the day, at the end of the module, they need to come up with a business plan that basically feasible to be built in Bali. It can be anything. Most of them are really interested in, in hospitality industry. Go ahead. I mean, this is a business, right? So they can do pretty much anything they want. So my goal, my, my role is to help them, to put them on the track. For example, about ideation, about uh, how to get the right target market, for example. Yeah. Wow. So I've been busy that's, with that part. That's very, very fun and challenging at the same time. In terms of the students that you get, um, especially based from Netherlands, right? And here yeah. you are here in Indonesia. So is there any... Um, cultural differences or is there like a challenge for you to communicate with them or for them to communicate with you to understand you and the cultural differences? How's that like? Um, cultural difference. Uh, in, in terms of language, first of all, I think all the Dutch people, they are excellent. They are they speak English very fluent, very great. So there's no problem with that. Uh, cultural differences, um, Um, sometimes this is what I feel, uh, well, you are 19, 20 years old and you've been, 
I mean, the main goal to be here in Bali is to study. So, but I feel like some of them like thinking, ah, yeah, study is just like a part time. Well, the main, uh, the main job, the, the main, the main agenda here in Bali is just to enjoy the beach. So that's the main challenge: how to entertain them, which is like how to retain their spirit and attention to the study itself. Well, I don't. For me, I always talk to my students. Look, with my class, I want you to go anywhere, go around the island. Because why? Because you can get inspired by anything you see on the road. So if you want to do, if you want to do the market survey, market research, go to the beach, go to the beach club, go anywhere, find your potential target market, talk to them, immerse yourself. So that's the small trick that make it balance. So they can be focused on the study. At the same time, they can enjoy themselves in Bali. Mm, that seems very fun. And has there been any like um, successful business coming out from this um, program that you did? Interesting, because last weekend I just met one of my former students about one and a half years ago. Um, he's from Europe, and then. Uh, he built, he created a business plan. Basically, is a real estate business plan. So the full business plan is thinking about the villa concept, how he could uh, buy or lease a piece of land and creating the design and then sell it. It's very basic um, real estate business. So back in one, uh, one and a half years ago, for us, for me and him, it was just merely a business plan. It's an assignment in order to pass the module. But you know what? I just met him last weekend and he said, yes, I actually created the exact villa like I created on the business plan. And then he's been living here since since he, since he uh, graduated from my module. He's been living his, himself in Bali and he said, there's no turning back. I'm not going back to Europe. And I was like, okay, interesting. Wow, so, that must be fun. It was, it was really fun. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, you never know what happens. You don't know what happens in the future. You don't know what futures holds. So he, I remember uh, one and a half years ago, he mentioned many, he asked many questions about A, B, to C. And for me, okay, it must be just uh, some part for the assignment itself. But actually, no. He said, actually, all the questions I asked, I gathered that. I, it was a lead for me to get the right person, to get the right contact, and then to, uh, to shape my concept, my business concept. And there you go. Very, uh, I was very proud. And then for me, it was one of the success stories. I hope I can get more of this. That's good. Um, I still remember back in the days when I was still in school, back in Shanghai. Same thing. I learned a lot. No disrespect, but I learned a lot outside of classroom actually. Because in classroom, what I did was I learned a basic Mandarin, and then I mm. apply what I learned when I'm outside. Mm. And I met amazing people. And the key for me in school, the key to be a successful student is to go out and 
spend time and network with as many people as you possibly could so that uh, when you are in the workforce, a lot of people can help you. I mean, all these people, all this network that you have gathered, they can help you and you guys can collaborate on things like that. Okay. True, true. Connection is, uh, is really, really important. Mm. And then if I can relate, because you are, uh, you are asking me, how could I get this position pretty much? How can I get there? Well, it's all because connection. What kind Tell of connection? More. Should I just start from the zero? <laughs> yes, go ahead. Yes, please. Okay. Uh, if I can reflect back, since I was a little, I don't think I have a particular dream. So when I were, whenever I was asked, hey, what do you want to be? What is your dream? I remember a lot of friends of mine say that oh, I wanted to be a doctor, lawyer. And I was like, okay. So whenever asked about dream, does it mean they're asking about occupation? That was all, all my mind. So I feel like our childhood dream simplified into a particular job. So I didn't know how to answer really. So to make everyone around me happy, I said, I wanted to be a doctor. That's all. End of story. Okay. <laughs> but I knew I didn't, I didn't want it. I didn't know that I want it or not. However, okay. Uh, story goes, I finished, uh, high school and then when I was going to apply to uni I didn't know what to apply where to apply so I just apply I like reading I like to experience new things so I decided to take philosophy degree people around me was like what are you doing what what are you going to do I don't know I just I just love it I guess I love reading but luckily I have a very respectful parents they support me. They said, look, do whatever you like. I mean, uh, if you like this philosophy, yeah. There's nothing useless about study. They said, my father said that. So just go ahead. There you go. I entered University of Indonesia, uh, majoring in philosophy. And I remember the first semester, I was like, kept questioning my decision. Is it the right question? Is it the right decision? Is it the right major for me? So I didn't realize those uh, comments, negative comments, uh, instilled in me. So I struggled for the first semester about the job, my future, and then in one semester I finished everything. I overcome, I overcame all those uh, negativity pretty much. I was able to say, you know what, whatever happened, happened. I just want to be focused on what I'm doing at the moment. So yeah, five years uh, in philosophy. And then during university, I also work as a journalist in one of the youth magazine called Provoke Magazine. It was uh, a free magazine, kind of. I remember that magazine back in days, it was uh, very famous in the young people because we, we, we were different from the other magazines, lifestyle magazine. We were talking about, okay, what do you want in the future? What about this? So we challenged the young people. It's more like philosophical, but in light way, kind of. <laughs> so it's, that's why we call it provoke. <laughs> So it's like provoking your mind, like asking this question, asking about your decision. We, in, we challenge them to ask about the society, about their uh, career choice, something like that. So yeah, and then after I graduated from university, I was thinking like, what should I do? 
So I realized that I don't like the big city called Jakarta, the, the city that I was born and grew up. So I decided to move to Bali. For what? I didn't know. So I moved to Bali because since 2006, I've been helping Ubud Writers Festival. And I met a lot of friends there. And then with, uh, with their help, again, connection, I was able to get a job here in Bali, 2009. And then, yeah, 2009. And then 2011, I moved to Australia because I got working in holiday visa. Yeah. Um, and then one of my jobs in Bali, 2010, was Destinatus. That was a villa management company. And then that's how I got uh, this opportunity to become a lecturer because the dean of this campus it, uh, was my former colleague back, back in 2010. Okay. So we used wow. to work together. He's Dutch. And then we used to work together and then we keep in touch. For me, when I left the company because I moved to Australia, uh, I always believe, look, when you move out from one company or one institution, it's not the end of everything. Always keep the good relation with others, but with, because you never know, you never know what happens in the future. You might uh, work up together again, or I don't know, maybe you just bump up each other in the future. So it happened. So we, I kept in touch with him, and then in 2019, I just text him like, "Hey, I want to move back to Bali." And then it's like, hey, I got this opportunity for you to be a lecturer. And then I got tested and then interviewed. It was quite a long process, two months, I guess. And then, yeah, I was qualified. And then it's been, I think I'm flying now. I think it's been two years with this position. Yeah, connection, man, is really, really, really important. Mm. So tell us more about your past to your present and you said that it took you about two months for you to to do the the interview process how um how challenging it is i mean like the the questions do they ask are they talk, because your your module that you actually mentioned earlier to to us that it's more on helping people to have their um, entrepreneurship i think kind of right so um how do you bring about world experiences that you have to your classroom? Okay. Uh, first of all, uh, my, my father, my late father, um, he was an entrepreneur himself. So he has his own company. It was a supplier company and general contractor. So he's been working by himself. Um, I've been helping him a lot since um, 2003. And then also my mom, even my mom, my mom has a little grocery store. Well, he was, she was working as well. She was working in the hospital and then, but he has this side job as well. Um, not job, side business to have this kind of grocery stores. So basically this entrepreneurship uh, has run in our family. And then me, myself, when I was uh, junior high school, I remember, I sold kind of, I can't remember the name, but it was like a designer bag 
So it's handmade bag. I couldn't remember really even the design. However, I got the right supplier and I got the right demand. So when I was in school, I, I did my own business. <laughs> I think I was 15. I was quite proud because back in days when I was 15, I was able to change my phone every month. <laughs> so people ask me like, oh, how did you get that? I mean, they thought like my, my, I, my parents uh, spoiled me, but no, I bought by myself. And then, yeah, I, I had uh, quite a few business, small businesses. And also my experience in Australia, four years in Australia, helped me a lot. To, I mean, to live there by myself, working holiday, studied there, and then I pretty much built my own nest, starting from zero there in Australia. So I think all those experiences combined uh, enrich my, my teaching method something that I can deliver to my students. So for example, like if they, most of them are interested in hospitality. So whenever they want to have a business, uh, I don't know, restaurants, I can give a straight feedback. How do you, uh, what is the most practical way, most practical way to start? And then what is the common things that you need to avoid? Common failure, for example. Also, I forgot to mention that when I was, so after Australia, 2015, I went back to Jakarta for three years. Right. So in Jakarta, I got a job as a food manager for Biko Group. is one of leading F&B company in Jakarta. So it was a very, very good opportunity for me because the company, my boss, uh, we during my tenure, I think I helped him to open three new restaurants. Oh no, four new restaurants and bars as well. And then I even, uh, I was lucky that my boss uh, asked me, invited me, invited me to be one of the shareholders for one company, for one restaurant. So become a shareholder. So of course I have personal interest there because I put my money there. So... I really understand the point of view to become the owner of one particular place. Eatery. It's challenging, man. When you put your money there, you put your fortune there, and then it's like what, when we opened the restaurant, it was like a roller coaster emotion for me. It was like, okay, can we do it? Can we survive? Can we thrive on this business? Blah, blah, blah. And then luckily, Luckily, I'm so glad. The restaurant uh, was closed due to pandemic. We couldn't survive. But um, you know what? It was one of the biggest life lessons for me. And that also that I can share to my students. Right. Yeah, I yeah. think... Um, yeah, I, I, I still remember my when I was still in school. Same thing as you when I was still in school. Back in Singapore, um, secondary one, I was maybe about 14 years old, 13 years old. I actually sold this um, card, um, Pokemon card. Pokemon, yeah. Pokemon card. I still remember that uh, in a pack, there are, if I'm not mistaken, there are 10, 10 cards. And I bought, uh, so I did my research, I bought 10 packs. And, you know, uh, there is the card where it has this like gold foil thingy. 
hologram card. And when yeah. I notice that the hologram card is always on the fourth card, fourth on the fourth one out of ten, it's the first, the second, the third, the fourth is always there. And I, what, I, I was lucky when I bought ten. There's two that are hologram. Okay. So I put it back to the packaging, and then I, you know, like like play around with on the sides, and then I notice that there's a little bump. Mm-hmm. Because because the hologram card it is like a little bit bent, so I know yeah. that hey there is this uh like a, a little hole. So if I touch it, I might be able to get the hologram card thingy. So I told my friends about it. Of course, I I sell the card first, the hologram card to to, to get some seed money, and I I purchase like if I'm not mistaken, I purchase the next twenty packs, uh, and out of those twenty packs, I get fifteen hologram cards. Mm. Okay, so I use that and I I open a business. Basically, I sell stuff in school. So for the hologram, I sell um depending on the market rate. If if there is a market rate, they say oh this card is cost seven dollars, so I will sell at seven dollars. All those other uh non essential cards, I ask my my classmates. I want you to sell this to other class uh, other classmates. Okay, I'll I'll give you a commission fifty cents. Per I think like thirty cards or something. If you can sell thirty cards for me, I give you fifty cents. Okay, so they become my sales agent. <laughs> I still remember I wow. when I was in school, and of course um, things wasn't well because the my grade went down the toilet because I'm so focused on that particular stuff, uh, right. the, the the business side of it, and I I make a lot of money basically. I mean, for a uh, secondary two students. Having like six hundred dollars in a in a bank, it's pretty cool. Back then, pretty cool, yeah. Pretty cool. And my pocket money, my mom gave me was twenty dollars a week. Twenty dollars per week. Yes, and I have six hundred dollars in the bank. My own, all my own money. So that's pretty cool. And of course, uh, my my grade was really terrible. I got, I was called out. Uh, my my, I have a guardian with me in Singapore, but the guardian was invited to the school and had a big lecture and it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> now, which, which brings me to the questions that I want to ask you. Has that ever happened where you have students from overseas staying in Bali and did something that I don't want to say is, I don't want to say it's illegal. Okay. But it's doing mm-hmm. something that needs the attention of their parents for whatever reason. Um, let me think. Needs attention of their parents. Um, ting, 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 ting. I, I, I don't really, I cannot recall because, okay, I really focus on these uh, academic activities. So whenever we have this kind of personal issue, basically I always send it to related department. We have like dedicated department who look after this kind of things. So, not that not saying that I don't want to care about this issue, but but um, I need to separate these two dimension. You know, I need to be really objective to be their lectures in the class. So I don't really want to involve in their personal issue pretty much. So if I heard anything, for example, they share something like, "Oh, I've got in trouble," blah blah blah. I just easily, okay, I'm going to connect you to this right person. That's it, case closed. I don't want to follow up because 
again i can is is very challenging this position as a teacher is uh, challenging you need to maintain this objectivity uh, at the same time you need to show the empathy like empathy side you need to make it balance otherwise if you just get empathy sometimes like oh yeah because i i was too busy partying for example i forgot to submit my assignment for example it happened they said the exact same uh, reason to me i was like i just simply said okay i just simply replied like this okay do you think it's fair for your friends who submitted everything on time and sacrificing their party what do you think if you think that's fair i'm gonna give it you go but if you think it's not fair you know what to do and then well he at, and at the end he admit, admitted that no it was it was unfair there you go you know the answer people trying man <laughs> i have to commend the guy for being so honest he said that because of me partying yeah 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 <laughs> wow it was one of the kind like yeah it's just different like like i said people can get overwhelmed sometimes mm. like from european strict uh, they are very strict um country rules and then all right you young people you are in bali for study sometimes you just get overwhelmed that part i can understand that's why i always warn them be careful don't get overwhelmed manage yourself make it balance i mean you have weekend free i mean sometimes we have most of the classes are most, most of the classes we have is in the morning so we start at nine. we finish about one or two see you go you free um evening free so ma- the key is just managing yourself self management is just the key to have it balance mm. how about your because you said earlier regarding the you know you need to keep a balance between um teaching them and also being um showing some empathy and i think that yeah. is very interesting because in my line of work sometimes part of me wanted to help this person to the mm-hmm. best of my ability and when this person shared something that's deeply personal within themselves and i really want to help this person because of that the objective sometimes you know goes towards the empathy side mm. uh, how do you um maybe you can share uh, this will be a good um session as well for those people that are in in the similar route as well they are maybe teacher coach counselor things like that when a, um when an issue is presented to you by the client or the student and it's something that is personal how can you separate it how can i separate it uh well okay i okay i always open my 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 door my office to anyone okay so how do i separate it for me if they can manage for example okay i got uh, this is a really simple so two weeks before the assignments the submission day i remember this this lady came to me and said okay i've got an issue okay what's the issue i've got dyslexia like what it's like okay okay in our university if you have uh, this special uh, medical condition we have the study contract so before the class started 
uh, we need to know your condition so I can give you exemption, for example. So we, we can look after you because this is part of you. We cannot deny, right? We need to respect your situation. So for me, two weeks, for me, two weeks before submission, it was difficult. For me, to be honest, uh, according to the rules, yeah, there's nothing we can do. You, you, you can be failed straight away because first of all, you didn't notify us. So for me, I but I understand. At the end, the the more I talk, I get more perspective that she was like, yeah, I try my best to uh, f- uh, with this situation. So I don't want to, I don't want to to be seen as weak person. Like okay, so that that was my empty alarming. <laughs> like what happened? I mean, like nobody judged you here. So in two weeks' time, I gave her a quick course, pretty much. <laughs> we course, like, speed up, like, accelerate this process. So at the end of the day, yes, she demonstrated a very good work. So for me, I always remind my students, do not make your weakness an excuse. So say submission day is today, and you say, like, yes, I'm just, I don't, I cannot do that because I have this and this. No. Plan ahead. That's why I really emphasize on self-management. Self-management. I think I've been saying self-management 100 times during the first week of study. <laughs> I always, always, I never get tired to remind them. Self-management, self-management. I mean, like, we live in a modern world. Everyone has their own computers, their own mobile phone. Write down on your computers, your phone. Self-management, that's a very good start to be responsible for yourself. Write down your agenda, organize yourself. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, again, it's um, challenging and then it's, it's really fun. It's really fun. You need to... I actually, I also, also, I... This is, uh, this, this, is, this is what I noticed. Like when I was in school, well, internet wasn't that big thing back in days. I rely mostly on the books, on the library, and on the teacher. Like now, I feel like everyone has the same uh, access to the information. Internet, books. I always tell my students, look, uh, we are here, welcome. I might learn something from you, and I want to learn something from you. Because we are, everyone is expert on something. Maybe you're expert on the games. Maybe you're expert on this. Everyone is expert. We have the same similar access to the uh, source of information. That's why uh, I. That's how I encourage them to speak in the class, to share their story, to become the best of themselves. Because I don't position myself as, look, I'm better than you because I'm a teacher. No, I always say, look. I just happen to be older than you and have more experience. That's all. Perfect. So I think, I think with this and with young generation, if you can position themselves in that way, you will get their respect. I mean, uh, that's what I've been doing for like almost during, uh, during my my work here, and it's proven that. I think everyone is quite happy with this method. 
I really yeah. like it when you said earlier, do not make your weakness an excuse. Yeah. I think that is that is something that uh, it will resonate to a lot of people. It's kind of like a, a I mean, if for those of you listening, if you have always have an excuse for everything, then this will be like a virtual slap in the face for you. So do not make your weakness an excuse. I, I really like that, um, what you said earlier. Yeah, and I can I can add on that. So uh, one of my friends back in university, uh, she pretty much couldn't see without her glasses. I think it was minus eight or something. It was very thick glasses. And then, well, it was perceived as a weakness, right? But you know what? She said to me, you know what? This is my strength. Why? Okay. She loves playing theater. And she said, when I was on the stage, I couldn't see anyone. And it's a great advantage for me. Because I couldn't see anyone. I don't get nervous. I can be whatever I want. I can be the characters. I can put my soul into it. Without looking at the people's uh, expression. See, this, that story resonates a lot and deep in my life. It's yeah. kind of like looking at a glass half empty or half full. Yes. Mm. Yes, exactly. Yes. Mm. Can you tell us more about self-management? Because you said earlier that you keep on saying self-management to all your students for the longest time and you always remind them. Can you tell us more about self-management? Maybe you can uh, give us some new insights on how to do that. Okay. I need to be honest that basically I'm a lazy person. I can be very, very lazy. And I realize that. So, uh, I think it was started so when I was in elementary school, I got everything. So I got picked up by a car. So everything is uh, taken care of pretty much. My food, my, my, my parents provide everything, provided everything. But when I entered junior high school, I told my mom, no, I want to, to be more independent. So I decided to take uh, public vehicles to go to school. And then I was thinking like, no, I'm so lazy because I used to have this kind of life. Um, easy life, I can say. Everything was supported. And then I created this. I write, I wrote down everything. So I, I have a lot of agenda. So for example, okay, tomorrow I need to do this. Uh, seven, I need to eat my breakfast, seven, and then at seven fifteen, I make it details because I know I'm lazy. So making agenda, helps me to keep in track. So again, I think there's a good start to do right self-management. Be responsible on what you are planning, on what you are writing. So even with now with the home work from home, I need to work, I need to manage all my work from home nowadays. I applied the same thing. Self-management techniques, my version, yeah. You know, I even say, uh, I couldn't, I couldn't, I don't have my agenda now, but I even write down, okay, 7.15 yoga till 8. And then 8 till, 8 till 45. Uh, and you need to reply all the emails. So I break everything on my mind because I feel like everything is on my mind. Oh, I need to do A, B, C, D, E. But I know that I'm not capable to do everything at once. 
So I am, I am training myself. I'm training myself to write down everything. Oh, this is what I'm going to do today. This is my scope of today. This is what I'm going to do the best today. Tomorrow is another story. I'm going to write down. So uh, normally I spend about 15 or 30 minutes about what am I going to do tomorrow. What can I accomplish tomorrow? What can I accomplish tomorrow? Hmm. Even small to... things. Small I'm things like replying uh, this email to students, for example. Like uh, some students, they send me a quite deep email about they asking about something. And I feel like I need to dedicate a few sometimes to reply this because I want to reply the best answer. Yeah, I think it's part biggest part of self-management is planning. Hmm. And I remember one quote said that if you don't, if you able to plan everything properly, you are pretty much finished 50% of the job. And I think that's right. Hmm. So you are, are you using like a calendar app or, or, or you're using just pen and paper? Uh, I used to use a lot of paper. I'm a very classical person. So I've got a lot of notes, but now I'm using tab. It's easier. Mm -hmm. And then, yes, calendar, of course. Google calendars, uh, Microsoft Outlook. So I make it separately. Google is just for my personal. Outlook is for my work. So I can see the clear these things. Like Even like, oh, I'm going to the beach tomorrow. I write it down. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, because I know myself sometimes like, ah, yeah, I don't want to go to the beach. I just want to lie down. For, okay, basically for me, not doing anything at home is doing something for yourself. Mm. I don't blame myself to just sit down, but um, sometimes I know I can overdo it. Just laying down all day. So I need to write down, okay, going to the beach for two hours. It mm. seems like I'm very rigid to myself, but because I know myself. So that's why I said I'm training myself because I know this laziness is it's just part of me. But I am a well. I am a. I, I am a being that can be trained, and I believe that you cannot. There's something in you, like in her, inheritance, like how can I say? It? It's just part of you. Uh, being, for example, being anxious all the time, being worried, uh, being lazy. It's just part of you. You cannot deny that. But we need to acknowledge that. And then once you acknowledge that, you can do the step, uh, the next step. What can I do to overcome this, to tackle that? Yeah. Mm. I still remember back in the days, I, uh, when I was still in a relationship with my now wife, I wrote down on Wednesday night, maybe at 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. is date night. I was going to have a dinner or something, you know. I, I write that down and if we were about to, Let's say this weekend we're going to watch a movie. I write it down. We're going to watch a movie. But over time, the moment we get married, I stop doing that and everything becomes like a spontaneous kind of thing. And when you said that we need to plan it, I believe in it because if I plan it, then I'm looking forward to it. So I'm going to spend my time wisely so that I can be undisturbed on that particular thing, which is, I mean, like maybe have a, have an intimate dinner with my wife or, or something when my, when my son is sleeping, something like that. 
Mm. Yeah, but I should I should admit that sometimes spontaneous would be excellent as well. Like mm-hmm. for example, sometimes like in the my free time, like, hey, I'm not doing anything today. Sometimes like, oh, I'm going to the beach. Uh, no, I'm going to Ubud, for example. I'm going to ride to Ubud, for example. I also enjoying that spontaneous. So for me, I think is basically with the self management, with the planning. As long as you've done with the priority. And then you can use the free time whatever you want. It's like using your free time whatever you want is like a reward for me. So I think it's uh, yeah, it's very rewarding. Using your free time, that's the reward you get for doing a good job. It's you can do whatever you want during your free time. That is yes. perfect, and I think it will help so many people. And Um, something that I will start to incorporate with my life as well. And I am also very old-fashioned. I have my own binder with uh, what I need to do, yes. the schedules and stuff. I have it with me like that. I will start with uh, the reward that I will get is I can do whatever I want during free time. And I think that is brilliant, brilliant. So thank you so much for sharing about that. Yeah. And also, I need to add that we live in a busy, 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 busy moment now. You know, like if you think your emails, notification keep popping up, uh, notification, calendars, noti- notifications popping up as well. Uh, this sounds ping, 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 whatever, vibrating phones, mobiles, tap. Uh, it gives me another, uh, to write something that I want, it gives me a clear vision, what do I want to do today? So sometimes, like for example, oh, I need to talk to you today for this podcast, and maybe oh, another emails coming, agenda agenda coming. So people, we can easily get distracted. But when you write down something, you can be very responsible for that. No, I have this commitment already. I can't do this. If I need to cancel this, what can I do to compensate this? Maybe I need to forward forward this task tomorrow, probably. Something like that. Yeah, it's very busy nowadays. We we are busy with this notification, email, social media. So I think write down something. You can start prioritizing yourself. It's really important. I, I always tell um, um, the people that I work with, I say that, you know, I turned off all notifications. I didn't switch on a single notification. Emails, social media, WhatsApp, whatever, I didn't turn on a single one. So if you look at my phone, apart from calendar, you will not see any notifications ever. Mm. Okay, so I always put a structure, like I will respond to email, maybe 11 a.m. to 11.30, I will respond to email. And another one, I'll respond to email at 2 to 4. Unless mm. it's absolutely crucial, I will not reply on until it's on that day. Right. Then, Some people were like, and then they don't feel like uh, this is something that will work, right? Because we need things urgent or something. I said, everything is always urgent. If you notice, yeah. right? Every, yeah. Whatever you say, every, oh, I need urgent. I need to, re- you need to respond immediately today, whatever. And I always tell them, unless you give me a call, it's not urgent. <laughs> True. <laughs> I said, that is how I work because But I will tell you that when if I if I said I want to get A B C D E done in a day, 
I will get A, B, C, D, E done on that very same day. Just mm. don't disturb me, right? Because um, to be completely honest, multitasking, that is the greatest myth in the world. We cannot multitask because the moment we, we lose our focus on doing task A and we start looking at our phone, which is task B, to get back to task A, it takes a while. To get the engine running, it takes a while. And then you lose those valuable time. There were times in a company at work where I, I mean, I, I turn on the plane mode so people cannot find me. Even they cannot call me. When I turn on the plane mode, I saw a lot of messages like at my name, which is like attention to me, right? You haven't replied, you haven't replied, you haven't replied. And I said, is that urgent? Now, if I'm replying right now, as opposed to me replying two hours ago, what is the result? And they said like, actually it's nothing. I'm like, okay, so it's not that urgent, right? Then, he's, then they're like, yeah, actually it's not that urgent. Okay, next time, if it's really urgent, give me a call. And, and then they were like, okay. In my mind, I was like, well, I put a plane mode so you couldn't even call me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so that is how I did a very methodical, same thing as you, very methodical. Maybe because I'm an introvert. So that's how I do stuff. Like a little, bit, a little bit structured in a way so that I, I, I cannot just be like an extrovert, like spontaneous. Hi, how are you doing? Hi, how are you doing? It takes a little bit of uh, groundwork for me. Not sure about right. you. Oh, this is interesting because I I always consider myself as an ambivert in the middle. Mm. So, like for example, like I can I enjoy party, I enjoy people. If I go to party and then half an hour, I can just like I don't want to be here. I can exactly like that. <laughs> I don't want to be here. I just leave. So, yeah, I can understand this uh, introvert people thinking like. I want to get it done. So I want to be, I want to enter my dimension. Me and only write down this thing about this, planning this, planning A. And then, well, I think that's the greatest part of, become, uh, of being ambivert, yeah? And I can just jump to this another dimension. Like, hi, I can be in the class. How are you guys? Good morning, students, blah, blah, blah. And then at the same time, when I need to go to my room and planning A to B to C, I can just... It's not easy to say switch to introvert and before. Sometimes it's very... It depends on the mood. But I think so far I can manage hmm. to, be, um, to be in the middle ground. For me, I think that I am... Uh, I am introverted by nature, extroverted by choice. I can turn ah. on and turn off just like that. I can just like, okay, I, I, when it's time for me to do my role, which is to be spontaneous and meet people and things like that. I yeah. enjoy meeting people, not that I don't. I really, really enjoy meeting people. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing this podcast <laughs> thing. And I've met so many people um, since then. I, I really enjoy doing that. And another part of me is sometimes after doing that, I'll be like, okay, I need to be, Going back to my man cave and not speak mm. to anyone for three hours. See you next time. Um, I, I, I'm that kind of um, person. I'm not sure about you. Dude, when I was in Australia, my, for three years, I did my part-time job as a bartender. And mm. uh, food, food and beverage attendant in the Westin Hotel, Melbourne. Ooh, I think 
I need to be really completely extrovert. I was in the bar. Sometimes they roll me on the floor like, Hi, how are you? Good morning, sir. How can I help you? I did enjoy it so much. I enjoy it so much. Uh, I like to clean the table like, Hey, how was your food? This way, <laughs> it's just a story. When we uh, we have the company I work with in Jakarta, we still have few restaurants. Yeah. When I train my staff about serving, they were it's so different about working culture in here in, in Indonesia and Australia. In Australia, I did everything by myself. I take the I took the order. I through the order to the system. I pick up the food, I serve the food, I clean the table, I manage to clear the bill. I said hi to the customer, everything is on me. In here, no. No, you need to pass on to another person. And then, I was the leader in, this, in the company. Whenever I came to the guests, and like, I, when I started, I saw them busy and I helped them, like to talk to the guests, hey, how can I help you? And then, I helped them to clear the table. They were like, don't do that. Why? Because you are my boss. Like what? I was like, don't, no. Because again, I I can't channel my super extrovert mode in that industry. I love it. Mm. I love it so much. And then, yeah, it was so funny. Like I remember when we opened this restaurant, it was really busy. You know what happened? I decided to work in the kitchen. I help to clean the dishes. Like it's gonna be very busy. The restaurant run out of the plates. We don't have any more cutleries. Give it to me. So we put everything in the dishwasher. I help to cook polish everything. Oh my god, crazy moment. But I love doing that. So I feel like uh, some people just you need to acknowledge what do you like. Okay, maybe this is I need I need to link this to my dreams because it, uh, earlier at the beginning I said I don't have any particular dreams. I feel like I know what I want in this. My dream is when I'm maybe I don't know maybe when next next year two years time, I want to make my own coffee. I just want to serve coffee coffee to people. I want to serve the food. I want to clean the table. I want to chat with my customer. That's all. See, it's very simple goals for me. But um, we've been living in the world that say that now you need to have bigger dream. But for me, that simple dream is so big, I can't even achieve it at the moment. <laughs> but yeah, uh, hospitality is the good, good way to channel my extrovert part. I love doing that. And so funny, when in, in Australia, whenever we serve the food, it's very common to us. Uh, to follow up the food after the second or second bites, like how was the food? Is there anything that we can improve? Like salty? You need more some more salt or paper? In here, when you ask people like, "Hey, how was your food?" They look at you like, "What do you want?" <laughs> yeah, a lot of customers of mine. I I just built that habit to ask like, "Hey, how was your food?" So they were like, "Okay, yeah, it's good." They just avoided me. I think that's the Asian culture um, because I, I used to live in the US and I live in China and Singapore and Indonesia. So yeah. when I was in the US, after I ate a couple of uh, bites and then they were like, hey, how's everything? How's the food? 
Mm. Is there anything in particular that you would like us to improve on? How's the steak? Is it is it cooked well? Things like that. Um, yeah. Even when I was in Shanghai, if it's in a Western restaurant, they will follow up on the food, on the quality, on the service, and things like that. However, if it's Asian restaurants, usually they don't do that. Now I want to get you back to your. Because you were saying you are an extrovert when you're working in his hospitality industry. Now I want you to get back to your introverted self when you are actually planning for your courses, planning to start a lecture, planning to to create a module for for I don't know whether it's for a year or for a semester or or for a, for a particular syllabus. How is that like? Can you tell us uh, about your thought process? Okay, so I enter my main cave, my room. So I, well, is it because of in school in the campus? I go normally to library, then pick up some books, and I just sit down in my office. That's my main cave. So either I'm in my office or in my room now. So I basically like to have more than five, six books in front of me. With different team, so I always get inspired by one books. For example, I want to create it in one module. So, for example, like entrepreneurship is very, very. It's not a social science. It's a social science plus. It's very exact science for me. Why? Because in in entrepreneurship, you're talking about numbers, you're talking about market, you're talking about what else? Uh, forecasting. Uh, political sometimes, economic, so a lot of components. So I don't really have any methodical specific way to do so, but I just keep myself alert. For example, like oh, is I heard about the pitching competition from tech in Asia, for example. I just like hey, this is interesting. So for me, I try to make myself alert at everything. For example, with uh, we have do you know yeah startup weekend? Yes, startup, startup weekend. weekend. Yeah, so it's like seventy-two hours, seventy-two hours in the weekend from Friday evening till Sunday evening. You need to come up with a particular business idea. For example, I even took my one of my class from that. I was inspired from an event, but instead of seventy-two hours, I made it a mini version, only twenty-four hours. But the content, the goals is the same. So how can you create something in 24, 24 hours? With the help of me, of course. So uh, I just like, I give myself, I just told my students, in 24 hours you can contact me anytime if you have any discussion. If you want to discuss something, let me know. So this kind of things, I got inspired because I keep myself alert. The books is help, of course, but I don't want to be end up in the class full of theory only. Because, like we mentioned, we I think we agree that the real education is not in the classroom only. It has to be combined with with whatever happens outside the world, because we don't want to end up in the ivory tower. We don't want it. I don't want to, my students, especially those who learn about entrepreneurship. So when they ask what's entrepreneurship, they can explain it is entrepreneurship, A, B, C. They can talk about any theories, but 
when they are asked, have you done any market research before? Uh, no, but I've heard about it. I don't want that. I don't want it. That's why with my assignment, for example, with the market validation, for example, they need to go to the beach or whatever they want, Bali. They need to show me proof. Okay, who is this person you ask for? I need to validate that. So, uh, and then I even asked, what kind of questions do you ask? Is that a right questions to ask? Do you think you can get something from those questions? Like, for example, if you get rejection, can you see that as an opportunity, for example? Like, for example, simple things like, uh, I remember one of my, my group members that I coach, they wanted to build a yogurt company in Bali. And then like, yeah, we got a lot of rejection from the customers. Why? Because they want to have coffee instead. Well, it might be a good chance for you. Maybe you can make a coffee-flavored yogurt. I said, what do you think? Ah, I think that's good. That's why whenever you get no from your customer, potential customers, make it an, as an opportunity to get something, get their insight. And for me, that's entrepreneurship. That's what entrepreneurship, uh, part of real entrepreneurship, is not just about theory, but about connecting with people, connecting with potential customers, understand them. Yeah. So again, I don't have any specific method to do my, my we have the guideline from the campus. This is what we need to deliver. But like for marketing, of course, I want to make it more alive. Otherwise, we're going to end up with marketing theory in the class for one and a half hours. No. Like, like I think we did before, yeah, I gave the challenge. This is what you need to do. Give, uh, make a marketing strategy for this particular case, for example. So make it fun. Hmm. And uh, I still truly believe that Sometimes you need to um, you need to able to be able to combine theory and real life experience in order to make it as effective as possible, so that when they learn, it's fun, right? Yeah. Rather than they just read and and it's all like outdated stuff. I always tell uh, my my uh, my students back in the days. I say things that have been written on the books, it's already happened. So it's history. Even the news that you read is already happened. Let's say they say, oh, Apple just launched a new product. Um, the, the stock spiked up through the roof. Yes, it already happened and the price already sh- showed up through the roof. What if you know someone inside the company or someone with an experience, who is very experienced in, in Apple computers, for example, And they can tell you an insight that, hey, you know what? Apple might be launching a new product soon. Maybe there's something you can work on or maybe there's something that uh, you can start investing or something. And then three months later, when they announce the product, when when the stock price shot up, you can then um, cash out or something like that uh, along those lines. And that's when I, uh, I tell um, people as well that those are the stuff that is not Um, you don't get it from books. You can only get it through networking. 
with people. Just like your case, um, Eric, when you said that you, when you get the job, I don't think the job is even like on the, what do you call that? Um, like job board, job street, all, all this, um, you know, like, like job uh, search kind of thing. It's all through connections, personal referrals. So what is yeah. your take on that? Um, how can you help enhance your, uh, your students to tell them the importance of actually having a good relationship? Is that, is that something that you, and, um, that you work on, on your, co- on your um, classes or, or there's something else? Yeah, I, uh, I, I always, uh, they always ask me, actually in every, every module started, they always ask me, hey, how did you end up with this campus? I always give the example about connection. I always tell them, that's why I maintain the connection with everyone. I mean it, everyone, really. Be kind to everyone. Uh, so, how can I maintain it? See, the example of my students who actually built a business plan, a business based on his business plan, is also because we are maintaining the connection. Yeah, and nowadays, with social media, everything is, social media makes it very easier to connect. Yeah, but it's just connection. But the thing is, how can you make it alive? How can you ignite? Otherwise, you just connected. Like, yeah, we are, I follow you, you follow me on Instagram. But we don't have any interaction. Right? <laughs> For me, it's not that connection, connection. So, um, uh, in terms of, for example, okay, I got some few, I got quite a, uh, a lot, I can say. Not a few good friends of mine, like in Australia. Uh, we are connected social media but I maintain the connection why by what I send them letter an email but of course a letter by email an email <laughs> I like I wish I could write an email uh, I mean a letter but I make a letter in front of email what do you mean I mean it like hi how are you so I write something as if I write down on the paper it's been a while and then Hope you are doing fine. So it's genuinely us. I want to know how you are as a human being. So this connection is not just merely a connect. We are connected. But I want to make it alive. As well as my students. So the good thing is, uh, remember, this before this pandemic, not before, February, we were in pandemic already. Yeah? Okay. In February, I was in Netherlands to visit the main campus. And I met a lot of my ex-students. Oh my God, it was good times. They invited me to party. We went to, uh, we went to one place. We talk a lot, and then like, we talk about connection. And it's like, oh, can we just maintain this connection? We keep exchanging information because we never know. Maybe in the future, I can work in Europe, or I can make my own business there, or vice versa. They can be here, and then. Aside from business, maybe we can encourage this other in terms of personal life. So just maintain it. Yeah, make yeah. an. I think it's part of men make an effort. Because for me, even I put on my schedule. Oh, tomorrow is the time to write a letter for this. 
yes, I've got some few selected people that I maintain the connection deeply. All my old friends that uh, that have very big impact in my life. So I dedicated some time just to write an email, a letter for them. Otherwise, we can just, I'll do it later. Why? Because it's going to be an email. I can write down tomorrow on my phone. Or oh, tomorrow maybe I need to go there. I need to go to the beach. Maybe I'm going to write down on the beach, on the email. But it's easy to delay something. Because we are mobile. But if you say like, no matter what happens, tomorrow at 9 till 10, I need to write down letter to this person. So, planning. Hmm. And for those of you listening, um, I hope you get this message that Eric just said. He said that a connection is just a connection, right? Everyone is connected, but apparently not everyone is connecting to one another. The key is to ignite the connection, to make sure that you actually work on it and don't wait for them to work on it. Basically, right? Be the one who is proactive in, hi, how are you? You know, um, and get social rather than you wait for them to be social. Because as you said, like, like in Facebook, for example, you have uh, seven, eight hundred friends, but, uh, but you only hang out with maybe 10 of them. Might as well, you make full use of that, um, quality rather than focus on the quantity. Uh, and Eric said something that is amazing. He said that have a plan that you want to spend time to this particular person. Let's say you want to send an email or let's say you want to have a 30 minutes Zoom call just to catch up. Just do that. Have it on your calendar and do that. And don't let anything stop you from that. You can do it, as Eric said, you can do it by the beach. You can do it when you are on the way to work or something. I did that sometimes. I drive and I catch up with people uh, from overseas because of the time difference. I did that many times. Uh, some th- something that you guys need to think about, I think will help you in making sure that your connections are quality connections and they are going to be beneficial for you in the long term. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So Eric, if there's anything you like to say, to the audience or if there's any advice that you want to give them in terms of anything could be life could be self-management could be networking as we have talked about earlier could be about um, how to overcome procrastination anything what what would you like to say um yeah i uh what can i say yes if you are trying to do a correct self minutes correct I say air cold sometimes you are failed it's okay keep moving on I mean if it's your daily battle it's daily battle you cannot win all day every day it's okay just keep moving like make a plan if you cannot make it be responsible for example today you have five tasks and oh, I failed I felt so lazy today so I just finished the pass it's okay Make it as you that is it that those three gonna be conducted tomorrow. That's all. Be responsible. So just keep moving. You might not win today, but you can win tomorrow. That's all I can say. Yes, as long as you focus on the big task, 
and don't delay the big task. You know, like sometimes the big task you need to get it done, but you wait. Okay, let's do it on Tuesday, on Wednesday, or Thursday, and because of that, it never gets done. Yeah, right? true. So one last question: How do you rank in terms of priority? Which one should you go first? Let's say you have five tasks in one day you need to complete, right? Which are the five that you rank in terms of priority? That's that will be very interesting to answer. Um, depends. So okay, okay. With my job now, for example, I I need to deal with my students and then also administration part. And then we deal with the team, of course. So I think I'm gonna. I always prioritize my students. For example, if I, for example, okay, let's say attend a, a student of mine ask me for a meeting, and also at the same time my team, uh, my colleague asking me to have a meeting as well. I'm gonna prioritize my student. Yeah, that's why. So for me. Because my job is very, it's like uh, it's like tentacles. I need to get everything at the same time. It's very multitasking, dealing with academic and then dealing with administration and then dealing with the team as well. So I always put my students at the top. Students, and then the second organization, the third one is my colleague. That's how I prioritize things. Always students number one. Because uh, again, especially for those students in Bali, I mean, like because we are in pandemic, yeah. But if it were a regular situation, if they are in Bali and then they are from Europe, so sometimes things are a bit different from them. Like they need to adapt with the culture and then study, so I need to prioritize them all the time. But again, it depends. Sometimes, like uh, like my boss, like organization, the campus, ask me to do something. Yeah. So, thank you so much, Eric, for your time. It's it's such a pleasure, and I learn a lot. the The thing that I really like what you said is to not make your weakness an excuse. So much so that I write it down, and uh, it's it's perfect. I, I I love it so much. So if uh, if people would like to reach out to you and they wanted to perhaps uh, get insights from you, learn from you, and connect with you, how can they do that? Uh, can be via Instagram. My Instagram is Eric Cahyanta. So E R I K C A H Y A N T A. Okay. Please connect. With- Yes, I will also put your Instagram in the in the description, so yeah. that they can just click and connect, right? And as Eric said, make your connection work. So you work on it, and so if you connect to Eric, don't just like hi Eric, and full stop. There is no continuation. Of course, you need to work on it a little bit. Maybe ask some good questions and. Of course, you understand Eric is busy and he prioritizes his students. So, uh, of course, he will always connect with you. He will put his um, best foot forward to really connect with you and to share anything and everything that he knows if he can solve your problem, if you have any problems. 
the time that you spend to us and share everything, I, I, I learned so much. And self-management is something that I will work on. And it's something that the listeners here will also, hopefully they look at it and they see, huh, this is something that I can work on, have more structure for my life. So thank you so much for that. And that's Glad it to for today's for today's episode. Thank you so much and looking forward to speaking with you on the next one. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. So if you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast so that you will be notified whenever new episodes airs. If you have any questions or feedback, or if you know someone with amazing stories to share, please send an email to hello at networkandconnect.com and I will be more than happy to connect with you. If you find this podcast helpful, please share it to your friend as well. That's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening and I'm looking forward to the next one. Cheers. Bye-bye.